Section number nine of Life and Sayings of Mrs. Partington. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Life and Sayings of Mrs. Partington and Others of the Family by B. P. Schillebert. Section nine. What a gas! Well, that is a discovery exclaimed mrs partington smilingly and she stood with a small pitcher in her right hand her left resting upon the table and her eyes fixed upon the flame of a glass lamp that sputtered a moment and then shot out a light that irradiated every part of the little kitchen and revealed the portrait of paul upon the wall and ike asleep by the fire she spoke to herself it was a way she had she met with no contradiction from that quarter this is a discovery where is tom Payne and his gas now i should like to know here i've been and filled this lamp up with water and it burns just as well as a real aisle this experiment was perfectly triumphant the problem of light from water was demonstrated and yet with this vast fact revealed to her mrs partington with a modesty equal to that of the great philosopher who picked up a pocketful of rocks on the shore of the great ocean of truth smiled with delight at her discovery not one thought of getting out a patent or selling rights mrs partington at the opera we were surprised at the opera last evening by having a hand placed upon our shoulder it was a gentle touch altogether unlike certain other touches on the shoulder that delinquent men so much dread it came at a time when we were all absorbed by the melody of the charming sontag and were provoked at the intrusion will you be kind enough to lend me your observatory asked a voice that we thought we remembered looking around great heavens we cried mrs partington it was indeed that estimable dame but yet it was not for the black bonnet had disappeared and a new rigolette adorned her venerable pole beneath which every sprig of wavy grey was securely tucked but the smile was there as warm as a june morning at nine o'clock she repeated the request to use the pearl and diamond studded opera glass that we had hired at fetridge's for twenty-five cents denominating it an observatory is this a right pocus said she i suppose i shall have to digest it to my side for my poor visionary orgies are giving out she levelled both barrels at the singers at once and brought them down to her and pasolini directed three successive appeals to her tenderness it ain't no use said she as she handed the glass i can't understand better with that i should have bought one of the laboratories at the door she beat time gracefully to the music for a while upon the cover of her snuff-box and then went out like an exhausted candle to try and light on ike who was trading for a jackknife with another boy in the gallery stairs a slight misapprehension mrs partington was at thackeray's last lecture mr t had kindly sent her a card admitting one and forgetting the theme of the lecture she leaned over the seat and asked the gentleman before her what the subject was goldsmith and stern ma'am was the reply but he's on stern first mrs partington blushed there was evidently a question agitating her mind as to whether she should tarry and hear a lecture from a person so ridiculously postured as mr t must appear she looked around meditating a retreat but the avenue to escape was blocked up and she thought she might as well stay out she watched tremblingly for mr thackeray and was much relieved by seeing him standing perpendicularly before her 
she thought she must have mistaken the meaning of her informant apollyon bonaparte when will the world get rid of this apollyon bonaparte said mrs partington as i threw down the paper in which she had read a comparison between the eighteenth brumaire and the coup d'etat in the uncertain glimmerings of her memory she confounded the nephew and uncle and her thought took the course the dim reminiscence pointed apollyon bonaparte i remember all about him and his eighteenth blue mare too i always wondered where he got so many of em something like the woolly horse i guess and when he was transplanted to st domingo isaac folks went up to the king's chapel to sing tedium about it because they were glad of it and now he's come back again with all his blue mares with him the dropping of a stitch brought her down from the new hobby she was riding so furiously and ike drew a picture of a blue mare in chalk upon the newly washed kitchen floor mrs partington says she don't see why people want to be always struggling for wealth for her part she affirms that all she wants is food and raiment and clothes to wear to meeting paul and politics was paul inclined to politics we asked of mrs partington as we saw the old dame leading a grand rally handbill at the corner of the grocery store she asked us to wait a moment till she digested her specs inclined to politics said she and her eyes rested upon the period at the end of the last line till she seemed to be meditating at a full stop he was but he wasn't a propagander nor an oligarchist or an aversionist nor a demigod as some of em are all he wanted was an exercise of his sufferings and the use of elective franchise as he used to say ah heaven rest him exclaimed she as her eyes rose from the period at the bottom of the and rested on the top of the fence but did he never get an office mrs p we asked yes replied she and we fancy the tone of her voice had an expression of triumph in it enough to be perceptible like three drops of paragory in a teaspoonful of water yes he was put one year for a hoographer and got neglected as we were asking about her opinion of the new constitution i came along whistling jordan and swinging a pint of milk in a tin pail around his head and the old lady forgot her politics in her solicitude about ike soiling his new cap a prediction i came running in one day during the sleighing season with oh aunt i just now saw a little boy fall right down under a sleigh in washington street dear me she screamed horror struck bless my soul did it hurt him much did it kill him instantly oh no aunt replied he it didn't hurt him at all for the sleigh hadn't any horse in it his face beamed with fun ah you disgraceless boy cried the old lady with a finger raised at the same time with her apron wiping away the mist that the momentary sympathy had gathered in her eyes ah you disgraceless boy you won't die in your bed if you tell such stories there never was a kinder creature than she and as she looked on his good-natured face and sparkling eyes she patted his head and gave him an apple the dessert dessert did you say growled old roger at a festival supper some time ago to a person who sat opposite him at the table who had called for the dessert come over this side my friend and you'll have no occasion to call for it it's quite a dessert and almost a perfect famine here already and has been so all the evening 
don't look at that turkey that is nothing that is only a promise made to the hope and broken to the stomach for human strength cannot divide its members they are unanimously tough and the little man recommended ogling a ham that was rapidly disappearing in the dim distance and mumbled cheese crumbs to allay the cravings of unsatisfied appetite boston music hall when mrs partington first visited the new music hall she looked at the structure with great admiration it was in the daytime and the gas burners over the edge of the cornice met her eye turning to mrs battlegash who sat next to her she remarked that everything seemed excellent except the out-of-the-way place where they drew the nails for the ostriches to hang their coats on and pointed to the ceiling saying she didn't believe they could ever reach them Chusu of princess wasa i read a paris the dressmakers jewellers and milliners have all been occupied in furnishing the trousseau of princess wasa stop isaac said mrs partington raising her finger and glancing at him over the top of her spectacles is that so he assured her that it was well continued she and a blush of offended modesty crossed her features like the sun flush on the newly reddened barn door that may be the way they do things in paris but it isn't modest to begin with a woman has no right to wear em tis again nature and decency and what does she want so many of em for she can't wear but one pair to a time and here she has got all the dressmakers making trousers for her as if she was going to live long enough to wear em out ah women ain't what they were once she rose suddenly as she spoke and ike was upon the back of the, her chair endeavouring to tie a string to a nail and the big beam that traversed the ceiling was thrown violently against the table breaking three plates and a teacup in his descent stock of the revolution we have little left of the revolutionary stock now said the schoolmaster as he seated himself in mrs partington's back room and wiped his brow there was a meaning in her spectacles as they glanced upon him responsive to his remark but she said not a word drawing a chair toward her she smilingly stepped up on it and standing on tiptoe reached away back into a closet in which were kept the remnants of past service bottles and paper bags and a heterogeneous mass of odds and ends that would have made the fortune of a showman the blue stockings revealing themselves as she prosecuted her search but the schoolmaster didn't see them not he revolutionary stock said mrs partington and her voice seemed choked by the dust raised in the old cupboard here's one of em and she reached out with a present arm's motion an old musket stock here is a relict of the revolution that has survived the time that tired men's souls and poor souls i should think they would have been tired to death with the smell of the powder and balls i keep this up here away from isaac for fear he should do some mischief with it for i don't want him to have nothing to do with firearms isn't it a relict bless thee mrs partington and thou art a relict thyself more to be prized than stacks of arms and did thy warm spirit pervade the land war would be no longer the scourge of the nations and men would not know fighting any more philosophy of country help people may say what they will about country air being so good for em said mrs partington and how they fat upon it for my part i shall always think it is owing to their victuals air may do for chamomiles and other reptiles that live on it but i know that men must have something substantialer the old lady was resolute in this opinion conflict as it might with general notions she is set in her opinions very and in their expression nowise backward maybe as solomon says said she 
but i lived at the pasturage in a country town all one summer and i never heard a turtle singing in the branches i say i never heard it but it may be so too for i have seen him in the brooks under the tree where they perhaps dropped off i wish some of our great naturals would look into it with this wish for light the old lady lighted her candle and went to bed the promenade we sat directly in front of mrs poddington at julian's concert one night and were pleased to witness the marked attention that she paid to the performance the first part had been concluded and the fifteen minutes intermission for promenade announced on the bill had been well spent when we felt a finger laid upon the arm that rested upon the back of the next seat and a whispered voice was breathed into our sinister ear when is he going to carry it around we looked at her inquiringly and she looked inquiringly back again carry it around yes replied she the promenade here tis a refreshment part of the entertainment isn't it we explained to her the meaning of the word promenade and with a long-drawn oh like an extended cipher she sank back into her seat ike was blowing peas at a gentleman's boot projecting through the lattice work of the gallery mrs partington in the crowd don't go and eye it isaac said mrs partington with nervous anxiety on the day of the great railroad jubilee procession as the carriage bearing the big gun came by where she and ike were standing she had been very nervous all the morning and had made some curious mistakes when the procession first came along she waved her handkerchief at an alderman taking him to be the president and marshal tukey she thought was lord elgin don't go and eye it it's one of the pesky paxton guns we read of they call em peacemakers because they tear people all to pieces and depend upon it isaac if a man got hit once or twice with such a gun as that my idea is that there wouldn't be much left of him oh the wickedness of men that they should learn war and kill people and spoil good clothes and act more like cotton pots and salvages than they do like men they say this mr paxton has got up a christian parish in london and everybody is going to see it well i hope he will tend it himself and get good and repent of the evil he has done but i'm sure i hope he won't have any such machines as that ever to help his preaching the noise of the passing crowd drowned half her remarks and at that moment a marshal backed his horse near where she and ike stood with a command to her to stand back it was astonishing how the flies or something troubled that marshal's horse all the while he stood there a serious matter there was a serious accident happened down here just now aunt said ike running in hastily dear me cried mrs partington dropping her knitting work and starting from her seat in great alarm what upon earth was it isaac was anybody killed or had their legs and limbs broke or what oh replied he giving his top a tremendous twirl that sent it round among the chairs at a great rate oh no twas only a man capsized a box of candles that's all the old lady looked at isaac reproachfully he will break her heart one of these days her mind at the first alarm had flown among her balsams and bandages and lints that had lain up security since the poor boy next door had cut his toe off and to be thus lowered down from her hope of usefulness was too bad but ike went out with his top laughing all the while and the old lady subsided into the old armchair and went on with her knitting ancient and modern remedies contrasted they don't doctor folks now as my physician learnt me said mrs partington sagely tapping her snuff-box by the coach of a friend lying indisposed 
her gesture was very expressive and the profundity of a whole med fact beamed from her spectacles she took a pinch of farwell's subtle macabre in her fingers and shut the box and laid it away in her capacious pocket then with her closed forefinger and thumb raised went on with her remarks they don't subscribe for folks now as they used to my doctor used to tell me and he never lost any of his patients but once and there was an old man of ninety-seven whose days were shortened because he hadn't the strength to swallow he used to tell me and i've been with him thousands of times with sick folks he used to tell me first said he give him apisac to clear the stomach then give him purgatory to clear the bowels then put a blister on the neck if the head aches and have him blooded if there is a tenderness of the blood to the head and put hot poultices onto the feet or to soaking em in hot water there wasn't none of your homeopathies or nor hydropathies nor no other pathies then and what was done might be sure it would either kill or cure she inhaled the dust with great unction and the patient who lay making squares and diamonds out of the roses on the room paper thanked god and took courage as heartily as st paul did when he saw the three taverns that he had fallen upon times of more physical mildness mr slow in the moon mr slow and abimelech were out looking upon the moon as it gleamed about them in the sky the moon as they gazed passed behind a dark cloud the edge of which gleamed like silver how beautiful said abimelech yes my son said mr slow solemnly that ears well got up some people say they have brighter moons in other places than ours, but i say that's all moonshine look at it abimelech as it hangs up there now as bright as a dollar and don't you believe any of the gammoning stories about its being a green cheese but father asked abimelech his son isn't the story true about the man in the moon certainly son certainly said mr slow looking down at him that's all true that is cause it's in the primer abimelech was satisfied so was mr slow my little boy perhaps he is no wise different from everybody's little boy i dare say he is no taller or thicker or heavier than ten thousand other boys who have had existence and been the idol of doting papas and mammas and maiden arms he is not an original boy in a single particular i don't claim him as such he eats very much the same way and very much the same food as other young gentlemen of his age sleeps the same cries the same and makes up the same outrageous faces at castor oil i don't care if he is indifferent but every parent has a right in fact he is bound to think his boy better than everybody's boy by a law of nature that nobody no contravening will admit of none if everybody sees in the picture i draw of my boy a sketch of his own let him remember it is my boy still and not flatter himself that he has a prodigy that knows no equal my boy has the glory of more than a year of months to brag of three of which he has devoted to taking his steps in the initiatory of locomotion and excels in little manoeuvres in engineering of his own adoption steering wearily among chairs and tables and though frequently breaching to and foundering under a press of eagerness in circumnavigating the kitchen he invariably comes up all right and forgets minor adversities in the grand triumph my boy is a living proof of the great truth of gravitation as when unlucky circumstances kick him out of bed or throws him from a chair he invariably strikes the floor and my boy has had knocks enough on his head to realize the fate with regard to his profundity equal to that of captain cuttle in the renowned bunsby for the same reason 
my boy understands the moral of a whip thus young will he wield the rod in terror over the back of shrinking sisterhood nor even spare maternity in his experimental philosophy my boy knows very well how to manage it when the slop pail is within reach and nothing pleases him more than a plentiful ablution in soapsuds or greasy dishwater my boy delights in experimenting in hydraulics now essaying to administer hydropathy by the dipper fold to a healthy floor now sousing stockings into the water bucket and now putting the hairbrush into the sink my boy fills his father's boot with incongruities that do not belong there and looks on gravely as the load is shaken out wondering apparently why his father don't let it stay my boy watches his chance to pull a dish or a cup or a saucer no matter which from the table he seems to have an antipathy against crockery and vivid visions of sundered pears remind his father daily of the havoc he has made in the once respectable service here a white and there a blue some cracked noseless handleless stare him in the face my boy despises all conventional rules and unheeds the suasion that will limit will republicanism speaks through every act independence in every look freedom in every motion my boy is very decidedly partial to an ash hole it is a spot by him of all others to be craved he glories in an ash hole thereward his inclination ever points david of old in his utmost woe couldn't have gone deeper into the ashes a stove pan is a good substitute for the ash hole there is a luxury in strewing the gritty dust about a clean carpet that is not to be overlooked and never is there is fun in hearing it crunch beneath the feet of his mother and fun too in filling his mouth with the fragments i have thought from my boy's predisposition to pick up gravel that he required it to aid digestion my boy rejoices in a dirty face no mohawk chief in the pride of war paint could feel more magnificent than my boy under an application of molasses or anything he is not particular and no mohawk could fight harder to prevent its being wiped off my boy takes the sugar very readily he was very quick in taking to this seemed instinctive with him i have heard of people's having a sweet tooth but i verily believe the whole of my boys he has but four are all sweet my boy is all exacting in his demands demands sure enough as imperious as those of a prince and his brow frowns and his little voice rings again if his demands are not complied with principally confined however to the matter of victuals my boy is everything that is affectionate a laugh and kiss his morning and even sacrifice and his bright black eyes and rosy cheeks glowing in the sunlight of a happy heart his voice greets me as i come from labour and his arms encircle my neck in a sweet embrace and his cheek reposes against mine in the fullness of childish love and then i feel that my little boy is better than everybody's and i can't be made to begin to believe at such times but that everybody must think so in short as mr micawber might say my boy is a trump card in my domestic pack my little boy that little boy of whom it was our delight and pride to speak is no more his sweet spirit had fled from the earth and left an aching void in our heart and an anguish which will be hard to allay the music of his voice is stilled the mild beaming of his eyes is quenched to the darkness of death his arms are no more outstretched upon loving impulses nor his steps speedy in affection's errands the happiness of his smile will no more impart its blessed contagion to our own spirit nor the home places to be made again pleasant by his bright presence we were loth that he should depart there were a thousand ties that bound him to us 
we could not conceive that a flower so fair and full of promise should wither and die well within our grasp we fancied that we could hedge him round with our love and that the grim archer would not find access to our fold through the diligence of our watchfulness we had forgotten that the brightest and fairest are oftenest the victims of inexorable death and that the roseate robes of today's joy may be usurped tomorrow by the sable drapery of affliction there was much to endear him to us perhaps no more however than every child possesses to a parent he was precautious to an extraordinary degree and his little life was full of childish manliness that made everybody love him who looked upon him his kiss is still warm upon our cheek and his smile still bright in our memory replete with love and trust we were sanguine of a fruitful future for him and we had associated him with many schemes of happy usefulness in coming life and with foolish pride boasted of indications that promised all we hoped alas how dark it seems now as we recall the dear little fellow in his dreamless rest he was smiling as we laid him beneath the coffin lid as if the spirit in parting had stamped its triumph on the cold lips over the dominion of death that little boy was our idol and they were those well-meaning people too who would expostulate and shake their heads gravely and say that we loved him too much as if such a thing were possible where a being of such qualities was making constant drafts upon our affection it is our greatest consolation that we loved him so well that there was no stint or limit to the love we felt for him that his happiness and our own were so promoted by that affection that it was almost like the pangs of death to relinquish him to the grave it seems almost a sin to weep over the young and beautiful dead but it must be a colder philosophy than ours to repress tears when bending over the lifeless form of a dear child we may know that the pains of earth are exchanged for joys of heaven we may admit the selfishness of our woe that would interpose itself between the dead and their happiness we may listen to and allow the truth of gospel solaces and cling to the hope of a happy and endless meeting in regions beyond the grave but what can fill the void which their dreary absence makes in the circle which they blessed where every association tends to recall them thus it seems when the heart is first bereft when the sorrow is new and we sit down in our lone chamber to think of it and brood over it but we know that affliction must become softened by time or it would be unbearable and there are many reflections that the mind draws from its own stores to yield after comfort memory forgets nothing of the departed but the woe of separation and every association connected with them becomes pleasant and joyous we see them with their angel plumage on we feel them around us upon viola's wings filling our minds with good influences and blessed recollections freed from the sorrows and temptations and sins of the earth and with a holier love they are still ministering to us it is one of the amenities of grief that it pour itself out unchecked and everybody who has a little boy like this we have lost will readily excuse this fond and mournful prolixity this justifiable lamentation but we shall all go home to our father's house to our father's house in the skies where the hope of our souls shall have no blight our love no broken ties we shall roam on the banks of the river of peace and bathe in its blissful tide and one of the joys of our heaven shall be the little boy that died to talk of a man worth his millions giving a few thousands of dollars in charity is well enough said old roger he should be praised for it but what is his act compared with that of the poor woman who buys a pint of oil from her own hard earnings and carries it in a broken naked bottle to a sick neighbor poorer than herself to cheer the gloomy hours of the night 
what is his act compared with hers i should like to know not that and he snapped his fingers and felt sustained in his high estimate of the poor woman's small donation mrs partington on remedies this is an age of enervation in medicine sure enough said mrs partington as she glanced at the column of new and remarkable specifics why will people run after metaphysics and them nostrums when by taking some simple purgatory they can get well so soon it's all nonsense it is and if people instead of dosing themselves with calumny and bitters would only take exercise and air a little more and wash themselves with care in a crash towel they would be all the better for it she said this on her own experience as for diet drink and summer beverages miss b is very noted a new instrument when is he going to bring on the violin whispered mrs partington to her neighbour at the melodeum after listening through the first part of old bull's concert that's it ma'am which he's now playing on why that's a fiddle ain't it good gracious why can't they call things by their right names and she left the hall saying to the doorkeeper as she passed that is only a fiddle after all end of section nine